Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke, chapter 15, verses 3 through 10. You may locate this text on page 952 of your pew Bibles. But before we begin, let us pray. Living God, we come to worship with a longing in our hearts for everything that is broken to be made right, for the world to be a better place, and for our lives to better reflect your love. Speak to us once again words of good news. May these words inspire and empower us for the week ahead. Amen. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I've been away for the month of June, and over half of that time I was in Montreat, North Carolina, where I had the deep privilege to be the keynote or share the keynote address for Montreat Youth Conferences. It was a deep privilege because I got to share those keynotes with my daughter, she and I, Sarah and I did this together. Each, each summer, Montre provides six weeks of youth conference. Our own youth from Village will be leaving later this week to attend week three of the six. Sarah and I were privileged to keynote weeks one and two. There were about 500 youth who attended week one and over 1,000 youth who attended week two. Each morning, Sarah and I had the opportunity to speak to them and the theme for the summer that was chosen by the Montreat planning teams was in joy. Now, each morning of the youth conference began with what they call energizers. 
That is, they would get all of his students like you to stand, I'm not asking you to stand up, but the, to stand up in, in the pews, not on the pews, but in the pews, and then they do dance moves uh, all together, all doing the same uh, moves to the music that is playing, and it is, well, quite energizing, and it's uh, inspiring to see a thousand youth all in coordination doing that, and you may have seen some photos of that uh, on social media, and if you came today thinking that I might share some of those Energizer moves with you, uh, you are sorely, going to be sorely disappointed. Um, there's no way in the world that that's ever going to happen again. But I do, over this month, want to share a bit of what Sarah and I reflected on together with the young people about, about joy. Joy is something that God wants us to know, and as children of God, we can live in joyful spirit. So over this month, I want to, res- I want to in- in- explore the reality of joy in our lives, and, and, and for this to make sense, the first thing I want us to recognize is that joy and happiness are not the same thing. They're alike, but they're not the same thing. Happiness is tied to circumstances being positive in our lives. Happiness is something that finds us when life is good. I'll talk about that more next Sunday. But what you know is that life is not always good. It's not always good. And yet, and while that can be a threat to happiness, joy is deeper water. Joy is less tied to the circumstances of my life and it's more an act of courage. Joy is both grace as well as uh, the fruit that results from spiritual discipline. Joy comes less from what the world does to us and more by what God has done for us. So we want to reflect on not just what brings us happiness, and that's a good thing, but what brings us joy. But before we even get to that, I want to think about something that, honestly, I haven't thought about a whole lot, and that is, what do you suppose brings God joy? Uh, Sarah, my daughter, she's a poet, quite, quite a lovely poet, and she wrote one particular poem where she reflects on the source of God's joy. It's called Conversations with God, and it begins this way, God, I asked What brings you joy? Oh, my child, God said, the list is so long. Hearing you say my name and seeing you soak in this beautiful creation bring me joy. When you stand with family, neighbors, and strangers and sing or work together, my heart risks overflowing with joy. When you remember the children and the quiet and the hurting, I swear my heart could take flight. I read those words, and maybe for the first time, I began to wonder, what is it that brings God joy? I think that's what these parables of Luke 15 are about They're repeated parables. I I, I say 
repeated because it's really the same story told over and over. Something is lost, something is found, and there's rejoicing. That's the point. Something is lost, something is found, there's rejoicing. A sheep is lost, a sheep is found, there's rejoicing. A coin is lost, a coin is found, there's rejoicing. Keep reading, a son is lost, a son is found, there is rejoicing. Jesus repeats himself here. Clearly, he thinks this is a lesson that we need to sink in. So he tells us over and over. Now, I appreciate how respectful you were when the passage of Scripture was was read. It is Scripture. Jesus is speaking to us, so these words come to us inspired and inspiring. But I hope there was at least a part of you that thought to yourself, these stories are ridiculous because they are ridiculous stories. I am certain that the first hearers of these stories of Jesus fell all over themselves laughing at these ridiculous stories. Here's what I mean. Jesus says, which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, who among you would not leave the 99 in the wilderness where there are lions and tigers and bears? Oh, come on. You baa at the drop of a hat, but there's not one oh my in the whole room? Wow. So who would leave the 99 and traverse the hills and valleys of the wilderness in search of the one lost sheep who can't follow the one rule for sheep? You don't know what that is? It's stay with the other sheep. Because providence has not granted you defense. You have no fangs or claws. You've got wool. That's it. Just wool. God has not granted you the gift of the speed of a gazelle. No, you can barely outrun a slug. So just stay with the other sheep because one sheep off by itself, you know what they call that? Dinner. So just stay with the sheep. And so who wouldn't leave the 99? where there are lions and tigers and bears? Thank you. And go and search for the one lost sheep. And when you find the one lost sheep, who wouldn't throw a party for the whole neighborhood saying, I found my lost sheep? Now, who wouldn't do that? Or who wouldn't if you lost a quarter? Who wouldn't rip up the carpets in the den and move the heavy appliances out on the front lawn, bring in the searchlights, look down the heating vents, and when you find your quarter, who wouldn't invite the whole church family over for barbecue? There'll be a vegan option. Come on over, party. I found my quarter. I'm going to spend a bazillion dollars on a party because I found my quarter. Now, who wouldn't do that? Nobody. Nobody does this. I'm not doing this. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do this. We calculate better than that. We know when it's time to cut our losses. No reasonable person lives like this. So these aren't stories about you and me. These are stories about God. If I understand the text, Jesus is telling us that we have no idea how much joy God finds in us, in you, that you are the source of God's joy. 
And that's something Jesus thinks we evidently need to hear over and over and over again. Now, I don't know what brings you joy. Maybe springtime or a good conversation with a friend. Maybe a grandchild or a job well done. But Jesus tells us what brings God joy is you. Now, I don't know if you have a lot of people in your life who commence rejoicing just because you show up, come home from work, I came back, didn't have to, here I am. There's an often a lot of rejoicing, at least that's my experience. These stories do, though, remind me a bit of my grandparents, my grandmother in particular. When we were growing up, my grandparents lived out of state and we would travel to their house in the summer for vacation. We, at the time, lived in Montgomery, Alabama, and we would have to travel through the Southland to small-town South Carolina where my father grew up. These were the days before cars had air conditioning, and, and the seats were those vinyl seats with the patterns on them, you know, so you'd get out of the car and it would, you'd have the pattern of the seat impressed on the back of your legs. And, and no air conditioning, so as we travel through the swelter of the south, we roll the windows down for, to cool us off. I think today they call that a convection oven. <laughs> After hours of cooking, we pulled into my grandmother's driveway, and she'd be standing on the front steps, and before we could even get out of the car, she'd begin squealing, and she said, get over here, get over here, give me a hug, look at you, you're getting so big, she'd just go on and on like this. And she would grab me by the shoulders and say, let me look at you, just give me a hug. And she'd scoop us all in, and then she'd call my grandfather, boss, that's what she called him. He wasn't, but that's what she called him. She said, boss, get out of here and see these children, look at them, give me a hug. She was so excited. I could feel myself growing just standing in front of her. Now, I don't have a lot of people in my life who react that way. You probably don't either. I came in this morning, there's Roger, nicest guy in the world, but Roger didn't say, Tom, get over here and give me a hug, I haven't seen you in a month, you're getting so big. He didn't say any of that, he just said, good to see you, that's it, that's it, good to see you. Of course, that's what you'd expect because that's how we are, right? We're more calculated. We, we find joy in one another. We do. We find joy in God. We'll talk more about that. But it's often measured, isn't it? We're more reasonable, more calculating. I suppose that's why Jesus feels he needs to repeat this point over and over and over again, that we might understand just how much joy heaven finds in us, just in our existence. So he asked, who among you, if you lost a quarter, wouldn't move all the furniture out on the front lawn? And when you find your quarter, you'd surely, surely you'd call all the neighborhood together for a barbecue and celebrate, rejoice, because you found what was lost. Now, who wouldn't do that? Well, these aren't stories about us. They're stories about God. We don't act like that. 
But I can't help but notice every time Jesus begins the story the same way. Who among you, he asked, who among you? Do you suppose he's really asking? Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.